Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Are we ready for the word tonight? Yeah? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. We open your hearts for what you're going to say and what you're going to do. We're ready and expectant. We thank you for your word and we pray that um, we receive it, every single person in the room, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I've got a story for you. It's a Bible story because, you know, you're at church if you didn't know. Um, There's this story in the Bible and it's about a Roman centurion. And a centurion is like a big dog, right, in the Roman world. This is like the, like a... Uh, captain in the Roman army. This is a big guy. He he has lots of people under his command. You know, you'd be feeling pretty good about yourself if you're a Roman centurion. And back in Jesus's day, uh, the Romans occupied the land of the Jewish people. So they they ran everything. They occupied them. And there's this story in the Bible about a Roman centurion about his great faith. And what happens is. He says he has, a, he has a servant that's suffering ter- terribly, that's really sick. And he hears about this guy called Jesus. He hears about these, the healings of this guy called Jesus. And so what he does is he goes to the Jewish leaders and he says, I need you to go and ask this guy, Jesus, to come and heal my servant. So they go, they meet Jesus. They're like, yo, there's a guy. He really needs your help. Not only does he really need your help, He really deserves your help. This guy is the best. He loves our nation. He built our synagogue. Not only is he a top dog, but he is compassionate. We love him, right? And so Jesus goes with them and they're on their way to the centurion's house and the centurion sends another person, another friend and goes, stop, you cannot come to my house. I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. But just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. He says, I am a man under authority. I have servants unto me. I tell that one go, and he goes. I tell that one come, and he comes. I go say, do this, and they go do it. So I know that if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And we pick up the story in Luke 7, verses 9 to 10. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus was amazed at this man's faith. The the Son of God, the Creator of heavens and earth, the Alpha and the Omega, This man's faith managed to amaze him. He is sitting there absolutely amazed at this man's faith. And he says, no one has had this faith that I've seen yet. Not one person, not the religious leaders, not my disciples who spend day in, day out with me. This man's faith is something different. An all-knowing God was amazed. And so in the Bible, right, it would make sense that a lot of people are amazed at Jesus. They're amazed about Jesus. Time and time again, the Bible says they were amazed at his teaching, at his authority, at his power over, over sickness and disease. But there is only twice that the Bible tells us that Jesus was amazed. This is the first time. The second time is also in relation to faith. 
it says that Jesus goes back to his hometown in Nazareth and he starts teaching in the synagogue. And again, people are amazed at him. But there are also people who start to take offence at him. They start to go, this is Jesus that we grew up with. This is the guy that grew up down the block. This is the guy. Isn't he just a carpenter? Doesn't he just build things? Like, that's his job, right? Aren't his brothers here with us? This is Joseph. This is his brother. And his mother Mary is just over there. And the Bible tells us that they take offence at him. And then in Mark 6, it says, Jesus, he, he, Jesus, could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Twice Jesus is recorded being amazed. One at the amazing faith of the centurion and another at this amazing lack of faith in the people that knew him best. Isn't it so funny that the people that knew Jesus best were the ones that he was amazed at their lack of faith, that their familiarity with him bred this spectacular lack of faith, lack of belief in him. You know, church, we can get so familiar with the house of God. We can get so familiar with the things of God. If you've been around a while, maybe you just coming on a Sunday starts to feel in the rhythm. It starts to feel so normal, right? When we pray, that's like, this is so normal. This is so cool. But we forget or we lose this awe and wonder of what we have access to. We lose this awe and wonder of great faith of what God can do in our life, of the great power that we have access to. It was the people that were most familiar with him that he was amazed at their lack of faith. It says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. This is an all-powerful, almighty God. And something about the lack of faith in the people meant that it hindered what he wanted to do in that place. Our faith, our contribution, what God wants to do through us is something that we can actually contribute to a work of God. We can actually contribute to seeing His power work in and through us. The unbelief of the people stopped Jesus doing amazing miracles. They missed out on the signs and the wonders they could have seen. But this Roman centurion, a Gentile, not even of the same religion, not even of the same faith, this is someone that doesn't know the Israel God, has such amazing faith that just say the word and his servant was healed. Jesus didn't even have to go and visit his servant. He didn't have to go lay hands on him. He didn't have to go pray for him. But the faith of this man made way for a miracle. So Horizon Church, tonight I want to ask, what sort of faith are you bringing? Are you cultivating a faith that is going to amaze Jesus? Do you have a faith that's going to allow Jesus to work powerfully in and through your life? You know, when I read books, I get, I don't know if anyone else gets like this, but I get like fully, like this is my new world, right? I have left earth and I have been removed to the land of whatever book that I'm reading. I don't care if you want to talk about anything else going in your life. All I want to talk about is this current book I'm reading. Is anyone else like that? A few people. Thank you. You are my people, right? I have dreams about the books I'm reading. I no longer have friends. These characters in the books are my friends. Um, Sorry to you all. And one of my favourite types of books to read is books about great great men and women of faith, great missionaries, evangelists, 
great revivalists. And I'd like to make a formal apology before I go on um, to anyone in the room that has happened to be on holidays when I've had enough time to read one of these books. I'm so sorry for ruining your holiday. There are a few people in the room, they know who they are, and I'm so sorry. Because when I read one of these books, I get completely, I'm in awe about what life these people have lived. I'm in awe about what God has done in and through their lives. When I read about Billy Graham, who went on a field trip before anyone knew his name, to a revivalist house, John Wesley, and sat in the same place that he sat and prayed every single day. And Billy Graham said, God, would you do it again? And would you do it through me? When I read about Reese Howes and how his intercession, prayer and journey with God led a revival in in Wales. One of my all-time favourites is a guy called... uh, Brother Andrew is how he's known. And he's, he's like little nickname, his little vibe is, the, is God Smuggler. I'm not sure if you've ever read the book, but that's what it's called. Go read it. Um, and what he did, God called him to smuggle Bibles behind the Iron Curtain to the underground church. And what's so amazing about this story, right? He would smuggle Bibles like pretty regularly And he had this prayer that he prayed. He had this little VW, like, beetle car, which, like, what a car to be known for, right? It, like, became the symbol of this ministry. And he'd hide Bibles, like, in the boot, under the chairs, things like that. But to get into these countries, you'd have to go through all these checkpoints. And they would literally search his car for sometimes hours at a time. And he would pray, you are the God that makes blind eyes see, And now I need you to make seeing eyes blind. And this man was never caught with a Bible in his car. How amazing is that? Yeah, pretty incredible. So sorry. When I read these books though, there's something in my heart, there's something in my spirit that leaps. There's something that goes, wow, what a life of faith. Wow, this is my God that they're talking about. This is my God that showed, that enabled all this stuff to happen. And almost, if I dare, sometimes I pray a prayer like Billy Graham and I say, God, would you do it again? God, would you do something in my life? Would you do something in the life of people around me? Church, if we want to see amazing miracles, breakthroughs, healings, if we want to see the fingerprints of God in our lives, if we want to see the fingerprints of God in our friendships, in our family, in our workplaces, we need to be people of faith. We need to be people that say, just say the word, God, and let my servant be healed. We need a faith that amazes Jesus. We need a faith that says, would you do it again, God? A faith that says, would you make seeing eyes blind? There is a faith that amazes God. You know, I am really not a car person. I told you I'm a book person, not a car person. And that means that growing up we had like really interesting cars and that was fine, you know. And then whenever you have like a friend that's a car person, it's just like something, there's just a level of disconnect. Like, I don't understand you, you don't understand me, that's okay, right? And I have this friend and he's such a car person, but not like a fancy car person, like a spends their spare time after work building cars, a car person. 
This is not a normal breed of human, I'd like to say. They spend their time building cars that, you know, you can buy cars. They come ready-made. <laughs> and one day he, he, he's built or like transforms this old troopy and he goes, let's all go, like I can get 10 people in the back of it. Let's go on a day trip. Let's go find waterfalls. Let's go. And I'm like, okay, is the car safe? He's like, yes, I built it myself. (laughs) And then we're on the highway on our way home. It made it there fine. It was on the way home. And it was one of those storms that hit that was like night and day. Like, you know, when it looks like someone has physically drawn a line in the middle of the sky, one is sunshine, blue sky, and the other is just the worst omen you could ever see in your life. It is like dark grey clouds and we are heading straight for the clouds. And I'm like, is your car going to be okay? And he's like, yep. It's not quite waterproof yet though. I haven't done that part yet. And I'm like, okay, that's a pretty important part of the whole build process. I know I'm not a big fan of cars, but surely that's like high on your list before you drive this thing. And we have to go through the storm. So we start, we hit the storm on the highway and the car is like starting to shake a bit. It's such a bad storm. And literally water is like pouring through the sides of the panels and the windows. His, yeah, his foot on the pedal is like spraying up water. Like there is water gathering at our feet. And he's like, we're fine, we're fine. He eventually concedes and pulls over to the side of the road. I was like, we'll wait it out. We'll wait it out. It doesn't pass. So we continue on our way. And even this is an important part of the car, guys. If you didn't know, it's not like... It's small, so you wouldn't think it's important. But the fog thing that clears the fog off your windscreen, that had not been installed yet either. So not only are we getting pelted with rain, every two seconds my friend is wiping his own windscreen with a spare towel. He's got one hand on the wheel and the other hand he's wiping. I'm like, we're going to (laughs) die. This is how I die in this old car that didn't get finished. We survived. End of the story. But when we follow a life of amazing faith, we still get stuck in the storms of life. You know, there's this story in the Bible and it's when the disciples get stuck in a storm, they're in a boat, which I'd much rather be in a troopie without waterproofing than in a boat on, in the middle of the water in a storm. I'd still prefer that one. And the Bible says Jesus got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Now, as Christians, most of our life, our aim, you know, we're following Jesus. And so we think we're, it's, you know, it's going to be good. We're following Jesus. And so they follow him into the boat and this huge storm comes over the water. And they get stuck in the storm and they're, they're waking up Jesus. They're going, Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die in this storm. And he says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? There are some of us have ended up in a storm spiritually or in our walk with God. And we start to connect that with the level of faith we have. We start to connect that with what God can do in our lives. 
we start to put conditions on our faith and say, when it's all good, when I'm out of the storm, that's when I'll have great faith. When I'm out of the storm, that's when I'll see God move. But no, no, God works in and through the storms of life. A faith-filled life isn't a golden ticket to no pain or no hurt. But there is a faith that says, I know my God. There is a faith that says, I know my God is a good God. There is a faith that says He works all things for the good of those who called Him, for His glory. There is a faith that says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Even though I am hurting, even though I am in pain, I know who my God is and He is here for me always. The faith that amazes God is a trust journey. You know what I said before about the books that I like to read? And it was a bit, you know, I don't know if I should have told you that they're the prayers that I sometimes pray. Because you probably had a moment when you're like, oh, really, Jazz? Like, there's something in us that goes, oh, not you, not me, that's not for us, right? And in the same breath that I read these books and my spirit leaps and I go, this is something, I have the other voice in my head that says, not you. This person is someone different. This person has been separated by God. They're special. They're different. They've lived a different type of life. And we start to disqualify ourselves from a life of amazing faith. We start to disqualify ourselves from what God can do in and through our lives. We say, I'm not the loudest one in the room, so God can't use me. I'm not the most persuasive. I can't talk or communicate like they do. I don't have the best personality compared to them. I'm not the most fun or the smartest. And we start to disqualify ourselves from what God can do in us, which is a pretty common thing that people in the Bible also do. If you haven't read the Bible lately, that's what the response tends to be when God asks people to do something great. You know, God says to Moses, I want to use you to set a generation of captives free. And he goes... Surely not me. Surely not me. He goes, God, I'm not very eloquent. I don't speak really well. I'm sure you didn't use that in your criteria when you picked me. Um, I think you're wrong. So go find someone else. And God goes, no, I want to use you. And Moses goes, I still think you're wrong. I can't speak properly. I don't know what you expect. And it's like he expected God to be like, whoa, you're right. Wow, you are right. Whoa, I really picked wrong there. I'm going to go to someone else down the street. I'm going to use him instead. You you don't speak like I need you to. I can't move through you. So sorry. Like on our best day, we could ever help God do a miracle. Like we're sitting there being like, God, I got you. I got you. You want to move through my life? I'm your gal. I got you. I'm having a good day. It's been a good week. I did my quiet time every morning. 45 minutes, you know, that's primary time with God. This week, you can use me. I'm ready. I got you, God. You don't need to be the best, the smartest, the most qualified, the funniest, the loudest personality to see God work in your life. All you need to do is have a faith that believes that He said it and He will do it. 
You don't have to be awesome because God is awesome. This is the greater level, greatest leveler and liberator that we have in our faith, that it is not about us. It is about our ability to recognise that He is amazing, that He is powerful, that He can do it. We get to take all the pressure off and say, it's not about me. It's not about how good I am. It's not about what I can do. It's all about Jesus. The faith of the centurion activated a miracle. What is it about your faith that could activate a miracle? You know, when I think about the story of this centurion, don't you ever wonder what people said to him when he told them this was his plan? And he goes, like, he's going to his friend. He's sending people to Jesus, right? He's telling people, this is what I need you to do. He's sending them to Jesus. He's going, this guy that I've heard of can heal him. And I feel like, this is my paraphrase, don't, don't quote me. But I feel like people would have been like, you are crazy. You are kidding yourself. Are you serious? This isn't even your God. He represents a God that's not yours. You are a Gentile. You think that He can just say the word? Really? He doesn't even have to come here? Are you serious? Surely you're kidding. Surely this man doesn't have the power or the authority for that. And the thing about having a faith in which Jesus is amazed is that other people are gonna think it's strange sometimes. It sounds a little strange. It sounds a little random. It sounds a little, yeah, wow, that's a lot. We have to be willing to be fools for Jesus. Would we be known as a generation that amazes God with our faith and not our unbelief? I wanna live a life of faith. I wanna get to the end of my life and say, I know I took some risks for God. I know I saw God work in me and through me. I know that I looked foolish sometimes. I looked a little strange, but I'm willing to do that to see God work through my life. You know, a few years ago, I had this friend and we were, um, I was living overseas. We were like adopted family because neither of us had family in, in that city. And we worked together, we hung out, we holidayed together. We were like besties, right? And she didn't believe in God, really strong um, unbelief. And we used to like just be like cordial about it, right? Like, you know, almost like the no politics, no religion at the dinner table rule was kind of our friendship rule. It was like, we understand each other. We know we disagree and that's fine. And it worked for ages. And every now and then she'd make a little comment of, oh, you're missing out or I don't really get why you do that or why you like that. And then one time we were sitting at dinner and it's almost like this years of like, stuff had just like started to boil over and she goes you don't really believe that you don't really believe that Jesus walked on this earth you couldn't actually believe that there's a heaven no way you don't actually like like almost like she was expecting me to be like, you're right, I've been faking it. But she was like, you don't genuinely believe this. I just can't comprehend how you can think this is real. And maybe you have a similar story or a similar moment where someone has 
ridiculed you, you, where someone has said something and it's almost like you've pulled back. You've tried to get smaller. You've spoken about faithless. And you're trying to avoid any rejection, any hurt, anything that might get to this faith. I think even it was like a defensive mechanism for me afterwards for my faith. I was like, I need to keep this between me because if someone says something to me again, it might shake me. But a faith that amazes Jesus doesn't always sound normal, doesn't always sound smart, doesn't always sound cool. There is a faith that amazes Jesus that looks weird to people that don't know the love of our God, that don't know the power of our God, that haven't experienced what we have experienced. Jesus is saying, I'm waiting to be amazed by your faith. You know, church, every person in this room, you are not created to live a small life. You're not created to live a safe life, but a life of amazing faith. We need a generation of people that says, God, would you blow my mind with what you can do? Would you move through me? You know, when Jesus is amazed at our faith, He does amazing things. An amazed God does amazing things. There is so much much precedence in the Bible for God working through people. Scripture is just full of people who were not the most eloquent, not the smartest, not the most talented. They didn't have the most followers on Instagram, but God moved through their lives. Can you imagine how foolish Noah looked when building an ark? People didn't even know what an ark was. Noah didn't even know what an ark was. He got the dimensions and the tools. Noah, what are you doing? I don't know. What for? No idea. I'll get the band up if that's okay. Can you imagine Moses with the Egyptian army behind him? The Israelites scared, scared, freaking out and the Red Sea in front of him, holding a stick. What are you going to do, Moses? How are you going to get it out out of this? I don't know, but I got a stick. (laughs) Can you imagine Sarah, older than your grandmother, shopping in a maternity section? Can you imagine the Israelites walking around the walls of Jericho, marching and praising? Do you think... I, would have, I think I would have been the one at the back being like, anyone bring any weapons? <laughs> anyone got a plan B? <laughs> Can you imagine David facing a giant with a slingshot? Can you imagine how foolish it looked when Peter said, can I come out onto the water with you? Can you imagine how foolish it looked when the centurion said, just say the word? And Jesus Christ who looked foolish to a whole generation of people. When He was hanging on the cross and people would say, this is your King? Really? This is who you've put your trust in? If He really is the Son of God, why doesn't He get down? He saved all these other people. Why isn't He saving Himself? But an amazed God does amazing things. 
Noah and his family were saved by the, from the flood. Moses did see the Red Sea part. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. The Israelites saw the walls of Jericho come down. David defeated Goliath. The centurion's servant was healed. Peter walked on water and Jesus Christ defeated death and made a way for you and me to be in relationship with our God. And my Bible says it is the same Spirit that lives in them, that lives in you and in me. It is the same Spirit that rose Christ on the dead that lives in us. So do we have a faith to amaze Jesus? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.